Well, we are going to start a series called Knowing. <clears throat> knowing God, knowing many different things. There are four different things as I was looking at, I mean, I was thinking about 2019. There was four things that came across my mind when I was trying to distill down, what do I want for the people of God? What, what do I want for people? What do I want for our church? What do I want for you individually? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that it distills down to four specific things that I want you to understand is the driving factor of what we do so that you catch these four knowings, these four things that you should know in your life. And they're very, very simple. The four things are that we want for you is this. The first one is we want you to know God. You can't get simple in that. And please forgive me as we're about to do this series for the, for the rest of this month. And I'm going to be doing the next three Sundays as well, including this Sunday, to cover these four things. And I want you to forgive me if this comes across as too simple for you sometimes. But this is fundamentally the basics of what we have to pay attention to. And if we get too distracted into rabbit trails of other things in life and we don't know these four things, I believe that's when we start to fall things, make things fall apart in our lives. And the first one is to know God, to simply know God, to know the Father, to know the Son, and to know the Holy Spirit. The second one is this, to know freedom. For Jesus said, I've come to give life and life to the full, to be free. If we only just came to get saved, that would only mean that our sin in our past is wiped out, but it wouldn't mean that our life would become anything compared to the design that he had given to us in the first place, right? We're meant to become everything that he has called us to be. So the second thing is to know freedom. The third thing is to know the community of Christ. That's to know the body of Christ. Why is that so important? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus didn't come to die for you alone. He came to die for his bride, See, in the last day, it talks about that there's going to be a huge banquet and that we're going to be gathered together and there's going to be a day of management. We will be presented to Christ. That's us. We are the body of Christ. And there's something important about knowing each other, about working with each other, and about loving each other. In fact, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, by the way that you love each other is how people will know who I am. That's the body of Christ. And so I think that of that as that's one of the, the four most important things that we can have in our lives. And the last one is this, of course, is knowing your purpose. What has God tasked you with? Half of the parables that Jesus talked about were parables about people who were tasked with doing something. They were tasked with do, doing a job in the kingdom of God. You see, even when Adam and Eve, before the fall came, Adam and Eve had a job. What was their job? To take care of the place, number one. Number two was to go and multiply. There was a job that they were given. So these are the four fundamental things that I want to cover this whole month, knowing God, knowing freedom, knowing the community of Christ, and knowing your purpose. So, of course, what is the first one? The first one is knowing God. So we're going to look at what it is to know God. Now, this is, again, very, very simple, so forgive me if this feels like it's, it's too elementary for you, but this is, this is the basics of what we must understand about our faith. Knowing God is about knowing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, as, as some translations say. Now, there are three in one. It's not just three names or three titles for one God. Even though we have one God, there are three parts of God. The best way I've ever understood that when I was a child was I was taught that that it's a little bit like uh, uh, H2O. 
When you have H2O, you have water, you have a glass of water. Is it half full, half empty? It doesn't matter. It's a glass of water, right? You have water, but water can also be in the state of ice. And you put ice in the water, it's together, but they're separate to some degree. They're two different personalities, two different uh, 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 entities to some degree. And then you can, even if you boil water, it then turns into steam. There's three different parts of God. There's three different parts of the water, but they're very distinct, but they're actually made of the same thing. It's one God, three persons. Very simple. So what I want to do is I want to look at these three different persons of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the first one. Knowing God the Father. Now, how would we go about trying to know God the Father? Well, the best way I can ever try to understand that is to look at how God the Father had a relationship with God the Son. It's a father and a son relationship. And it's a really great story in Luke chapter 3 when Jesus had lived his life for 30 years. And um, think about it, 30 years. He got baptized when he was 30 years old. It's amazing. I never, never really considered that he was older when he actually got baptized. But when he walked this life and he walked his, his path and, and served his family and did all these different things, he got to the point where he decided, now I must follow the path of God. And he went to get baptized in the River Jordan with John the Baptist, as, as many of us know about. And when he got baptized, it says that the Holy Spirit came down in the, in the form of a dove and a voice from heaven spoke out. We believe that was the voice of the Father. And it says that a voice from heaven spoke and it said this, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Let me say it again. A voice from, came from heaven and it said, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And I believe that there is something that happened there that changed the course of Jesus' life. You see, up to this point, he didn't have a ministry. Up to this point, he was just walking with God. He was walking with his family. He was living his life out. But from this day forward, he started to live out his calling and his purpose he started to go towards the cross, essentially, for the next three and a half years. And there was something significant in this phrase. And I believe that this phrase determines three different things that we need in our lives as well. Let me break it down. Sorry. Well, let me break it down. I can't hear that phrase without going back to the 80s. And you know what I'm saying. Okay. So let me break it down. You are my son, number one. You are my son. What does that do? It brings acceptance. It answers the question of, who am I? Who am I really? This is not just an existential question, but this is really a question that is fundamental to understand who we are. And oftentimes we, we don't like who we are. We don't like what we've come from. We don't like our mother. We don't like our father. Or we don't like the, 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 the skin that we're actually in. We don't like the DNA that we have. And we don't know who we are. And sometimes it can come down to that we just don't know what we, what, who we are. And this is why it's often so traumatic for people who are abandoned as orphans and they don't have parents. And they, we, are so, we are so in need as children to have parents to not only raise us and to look after us, but to actually help us to know who we are. Because you can be brought up in an orphanage and you can have, uh, you can have a, a roof over your head, you can have food, you can have sustenance, you can have education, you can have all the things that a person needs, but they don't know who they are. We need our family. We need our culture of our family. We need our name, our family name. We need to know where we come from. And it's important for us to understand that with God, you have to know who you are. 
And you can only understand who you really are when you truly have a relationship with God the Father. The second thing is this. He says, you are my son whom I love. And he answers the question of, am I special? This is all about affection. Am I special? Here's the thing. The answer is yes, you are special. You're no average Joe. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. How many of you have maybe gone through this whole thing of you just don't know if you're, you're special. You're maybe just another number. You're just another person taking up space on the earth and you don't realize that God has made you fearfully and wonderfully. You are one of a kind. You are special. People who don't know how to answer the question of am I special try and go have relationships or they get into addictions of sexuality or they even get to the place where they get into such depression, they answer the question for themselves and kill themselves. It's the worst form of the answer to am I special. This is not a condemnation for anyone who's ever gone through that or anyone in their family has gone through that. But there's something that we need an answer to as humans, and that is, am I special? We need to hear the Father's voice say, yes, you are special. The third thing is, he says, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. That's all about approval. It brings us approval. It basically answers the question of, do I have what it takes? The thing is, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can do everything that God has called me to do if I know that I have his approval. Sometimes many, I've come across many people who have this overdeveloped sense of responsibility and they're burning their life out trying to prove that they've got what it takes, that they're good enough, I can do this. And they're chasing after jobs and vocations and and, and positions in life and they're they're chasing after the world to be able to fulfill uh, the, the, the answer and answer the question of do I have what it takes? Yes, you've got what it takes. But you see, that answer is only truly and properly answered from the Father. The Father tells you, son, you've got what it takes, even before I give you a job to do. Daughter, you've got what it takes. Don't ask the question of, do you have the ability? Because one plus God equals a majority. Listen, knowing the Father does this. It settles the questions of the mind. It puts your thoughts at rest. About 17 years ago, my father passed away when I was in my 20s. And of course, he died of cancer, as many people die of cancer. And I was over here in America, and every year I was here in America, my dad would come over to see me, and and I would ask him, do you want me to come back? Do you want me to come back and work for you? And he'll go, well, uh, no, not not just yet. Then a year would pass, and then I would see him a year later, and I'd say, Dad, I want to come back and work for you. When should I come back? And he's like, not yet, son, not yet. And then a third year would come along and go, Dad, you want me to come back? Are you ready for me to come and serve you and work for you? It's like, not yet, son, no, not yet. And then the year after that, he gets cancer, and he dies. Now, not his fault, but for about seven years beyond that, There was a question inside of myself, which was, why did my dad not ask me to come back? And my mother was over here, and we were driving down the road, and and we were driving down I-4, and I can even remember uh, vividly that the place on I-4 where I was, and every time I drive past it, I always remember, that's where I got an answer 
to a question that I had inside of myself. And I said, Mom, why, why is it that Dad never asked me to come in back and work for him? It's not that I was upset or anything. I just, just had a question that I just, it was bugging me and it was gnawing at me. And she said, because he didn't want you to come and live out his vision. He wanted you to carry out the vision that God had called you to. You don't understand. Your dad desperately wanted you to come back. But he didn't want you to be burdened what God had called him to do. You had to go out and carry out what God had called you to do. Now, thanks be to God, I had a wise father who knew that I had to supersede him as my father and go to Father God myself. But many of us are often wrestling with that question of, am I good enough? Does my dad love me? Who am I? What am I about? Because you're looking for definition in life. And the fact is, your father does love you. Your heavenly father loves you. He does have a calling for you. You've got what it takes. It's possible. Many times I'll have conversations with with, with men who are, who've got everything they'd ever need in their life. They've got a great job, they've got a great vocation, they've got everything, they've got home, they've got belongings, they've got cars, they've got a beautiful wife, they've got an intelligent family, they've got wonderful children, but there's that gnawing inside of themselves of, what is up with me? Why is it not enough? Why, why, why have I got all these wonderful things and I don't feel like I've, I've done everything that I'm meant to do? And, and they're really, they're asking a question about themselves and they get into a depression. Oh, I just don't know why I'm struggling. I don't know why I'm, I'm down on myself. And then I always ask them this. I ask them, if your daughter or your son came to you, let's pretend your daughter came to you and she just said, Dad, I don't know if you actually love me. I just don't feel loved. I don't know if I've got what it takes. I'm just not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I've tried stuff and I don't know, I don't know who I am. I don't know what to do with life. What would you say to your daughter? And the fathers are always like this. If it was my son or my daughter, I would say, listen, you are the apple of my eye. You're the treasure of my heart. I can see all the wonderful gifts that are inside of you. And I will spend my life trying to help you discover the ways of God. I want you to have everything that I dream for you. That's how the father usually responds. And at that moment is when I say, and your heavenly father thinks the same thing about you. Hello. We can feel that affection for our children, but we can't receive it for ourselves. Listen, this is what I want for you this year. I want you to discover a new relationship with your heavenly father because it will deal with more than you realize. It will deal with questions that are in your mind. When I see people who are struggling with the questions about themselves or they're str struggling with depression, it always is an issue of a disconnect to their father. And your father wants more for you than you could ever realize. And if you could discover that and accept it, my gosh, your life will explode in joy. Here's the second person I believe that we are meant to discover. The first one is God the Father. Oh, we are meant to know God the Son. God the Son. There are two things about Jesus that he came to give us and to bring to us. And the first one is this, that Jesus brings us to the Father. We, we just talked about the Father. Yep, yep, yep. We have talked about the Father because he is primary and before the Son is, is really what the Bible says. But it's the Son who actually brings us to the Father. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness for the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Look at that. For Christ also suffered once for sin. That's talking about the cross of Christ. Why did he have to go to the cross of Christ? 
And because there's a, there was a thing that was between us and the Father, and we know that commonly as sin. It's the things that you've done that is wrong, that is in rebellion to God, that has kept you from being able to walk with him because he's holy and he can't have your sin in his realm, in his kingdom. And so there was a blockage between us and God. And so the son came and said, listen, I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll, I'll get rid of that sin. I'll pay the price for whatever sin that they've got. And only he could have done it because he was both God and man. And so he wiped it off of the table and he brought it to us. It says the righteous for the unrighteous. That basically means that he gave us his righteousness he gave us our right standing. He gave us his relationship with God and gave it to us so that we could have one with God. And in the last verse, it's the last part of that verse, it says, to bring you to God. That's why he came. That's why he exists. He came to bring you to God. And if you think you have found God, you've not found God if you don't know Jesus. Jesus said, the only way to the Father is through me, is what he said. That's pretty exclusive. I get that. But I haven't found it any other way. The second thing that Jesus came to show us, the first one is Jesus brings us to the Father. But the second one is Jesus shows us how to live. You see, if we try to walk like God and with God, we probably have the difficulty and the problem that, well, he's God, and I'm just a human. How do I gel those two things together? It's great that Jesus saved me from my sin, but now, now all stuff has been removed from my past and now I'm free to walk with God. But how do you do it? Very simple. He showed us how to do it by becoming like one of us. For 33 and a half years, he lived on this earth and he showed us how to behave. That's why he didn't just get born as an infant and then was died as an infant. Oh, his death as an infant bore our sins and that pays the price for us. No, no, no. He lived for 33, for 30 years and 33 and a half years when he, got, when he got to, finally got to the cross to demonstrate to us how do you walk with the Father? He even said this to his disciples in John 13, verse 34. He says, a new command I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another. Even if, as I have done it, as I have shown you how to do it, I want you to mimic what I have done and that will teach you how to walk with the Father. You see, he shows us how to love. He also shows us how to argue. Oh, Jesus argued? He didn't argue. I bet you my bottom dollar he did. He didn't, he didn't argue in the sense he wasn't bitter and vindictive, but he argued for truth and what was good. He had no problem with arguing. He teaches us how to argue. He, he taught us how to cry, how to have emotion, how to be connected to each other. He taught us how to serve, to not put yourself above everybody else, but to put others in front of you. He taught us how to sacrifice our lives for the sake of the kingdom of God. He taught us all these different behaviors. Wow. These are the habits of heaven. And the reason why he did that is because of one thing. In John 10, 10, he says, I've come to give you life and I've come to give it to the fool. You see, he doesn't just want us to be forgiven. He wants us to be full of life to have all the joy, to have all the peace, to have all the glory that God wants to give to us. He wants us to have it. And he even said, he come to give life and life to the full and that you'd have it more abundantly. That is more than you could ever imagine. That's what he came to show us. We've learned about knowing God the Father and we've learned about knowing God the Son. Here's the last person of the Godhead and it's knowing the Holy Spirit. 
Knowing God, the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about knowing God, the Holy Spirit, there was a phrase that really helped me to understand the Holy Spirit. And it's this. Years ago, I was studying about this. And, and the best way I've ever understood it is this, is that the Holy Spirit is the executor of the will of God. It's the best way I've ever understood knowing God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I want you to understand, is a person, not a force. Why is that so important? Because I think sometimes we can treat or think of the Holy Spirit as just this power in our lives that we just tap into, we just plug into it, and suddenly it juices us, juices us up. It's a little bit like if you ever watch Star, Star Wars and you've got the bad guy called uh, uh, Darth Vader and you've got Darth Vader, you know, like he's the Faja. Um, I'm sorry if that's a, a, maybe that's a spoiler for some of you that haven't seen it, right? Okay, so you've got Luke Skywalker, who is the son. You've got Darth Vader, who's the father. And uh, several yeah, movies later, he finds out that's his father. And uh, Luke Skywalker has to become everything he's been called to be. And he's using his lightsaber, zing, zing, zing. And he has to tap into what? The force. And it's a brilliant picture of the Father, the Son, and the force that dominates or commands the universe. But let me tell you, the one thing that it misses is that it's a person. And now what you have to understand is that the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not just a life force that exists out there. And knowing this should help you to know then how to talk to him and that you should actually talk to him. He's an executor of the will of God. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. The second thing is, it says here that he is the executor. That is someone who makes things happen. And if you've ever heard of the term, the executor, it's not executor, but it's the executor, right? And the executor is, let's say, your mom or your dad or your grandparents or someone. Someone dies in the family and someone in your family or a lawyer is tasked with being the executor of the will of that person that died, Right? And so when you sit down as a family, a lawyer sits there and goes, Peter, you've inherited 90% of everything your father owns and everyone else gets nothing, right? No, I'm kidding. Okay, so, so they say, Peter, you get this, your sister gets this, your brother gets this, your other sister gets this, and, and you start dividing up the inheritance that is meant for you. Well, here's the good news about our father and what he has for us, he is not dead, but because his son did die, we now get to receive the inheritance that he has for us. Listen, he has so much stuff for you. It's unbelievable. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to be the executor, to, 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 to give this out, to give out the gifts that he has for you, the gifts of the power of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. These are the things that he wants to give to us. The thing is with an executor is that an executor has the power to do the things that God wants done, right? Not just has the power, but he executes it. He makes it happen. It's a little bit like having power come to your house and your house is all juiced up with power from Duke Energy and at any time you could turn the lights on, but you don't. You have all the power in the world to turn your lights on, to turn your air conditioning on, to, uh, 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 to turn your microwave on, but you don't flip the switch and use it. It's a little bit like, uh, uh, it's, it's a little bit like having a million dollars in a bank account and not actually doing anything with it. It's just sitting there earning very little interest. 
It's important that we understand that the things that God has given us are for use. They're for doing great things. The resources that God wants to give you is to multiply and to occupy just as he had taught Adam and Eve to do himself. In fact, in Luke chapter in Luke chapter 4, I believe it is, somewhere, Luke chapter 4, remember we talked about in Luke chapter 3 when Jesus went to get baptized and then his voice came out and said, this is my son in whom I love and in whom I am well pleased. Right after that, he went into ministry. But before he went into that ministry, it says that he went into the desert to be tempted by the enemy. He went there to fast and pray. But this is what happens. At the beginning of his fasting and praying, on the beginning of the 40 days in the desert, it says this, that Jesus, what does that word say? Full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, right? Not led by the Father, not led by himself, but led by the Spirit. He was full of the Spirit. I believe that when you give your life to Christ, when you follow God the Father, you become full of the Spirit. When you receive uh, uh, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become full of the Spirit. But what is said about Jesus after the fast is this. Look at this. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the, what does the word say? Power of the Spirit. And the news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. So he went in full of the Spirit and he came out with power of the Spirit. This is why we're fasting. Listen now, this is why we're saying no to our flesh and no to our body so we can become alive to Christ, so we're alive to the, the Spirit of God and receive power to do the things that God has called you to do. Does anyone need some power? You need some power to know what your calling is. You need some power to know what you should do with your family. You need some power in your body. You need some power. You need some of that juice of the Holy Spirit in your life, activating power that gets things done. You know what I need, Jesus? I need a million dollars. In fact, Jesus, I need $8 million to build that huge church that you've asked us to build. Only you're going to be able to do it because I don't have the money. God's telling me, go build a building. That's great. That's fantastic. But I need some power in my life to make that happen. Who needs some power in their life? Power is important. This comes from the Holy Spirit. It's the difference between having power and activating power. What do you need? If you need it, ask for power. So he is the executor of the will of God. He's the executor. He is a person that has the permission to do the will of God. What's the will of God? Well, the will of God is quite incredible in the Bible, and you can see it everywhere. But when you, even when you see it in the beginning of time, when it says that God spoke things into being, and he spoke the animals into being, he spoke everything. The only thing he didn't speak into being was actually humans, but he spoke everything into being. But it was the Holy Spirit that was hovering over the earth and was making it happen. You see what I'm saying? Even though the Father spoke it into being, it was the Holy Spirit that went about the business of making it happen. Even Jesus was conceived by Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that makes things happen. It's the Holy Spirit that inspires the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit that gets out and makes things happen. Listen, even on this last one, this is really cool. I want you to see this, that in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, here's an example of what the Holy Spirit does for you. And it says this, and if, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies. 
give you life. Do you need healing? You need some life. You need healing in your mind? You need some life. You need healing in your family? You need some life that comes from the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It's in you. It's time to activate this. It's time to see this power come to pass in 2019 and to see the activation of salvation in your life, in your family's life, in your neighbor's life, in your community. I'm ready for this. I don't know if you noticed. I am so ready for this. This is the vision I can see that God has given us. And Pastor Mark talked about expanding last week, about growing last week. Listen, as soon as I started thinking about this, this is what I've been thinking about for the last couple of months. What are the fundamental things that we need to know about? You need to know God. You need to know what your purpose is. You need to know the body of Christ. You need to know freedom in your life. And these are the things that we're going to press into deeper this year. And by knowing these things, starting with knowing God, we will see the kingdom of God come here on earth as it is in heaven. I am so freaking ready for this. What about you? Are you ready for this? Come on, are you ready for this? Come on, let's give him a praise of thanksgiving. Holy Spirit, move amongst us now. Move amongst us now. Move amongst us now. Holy Spirit, I just pray you would take this moment. Oh God, fill us up to overflowing. We don't want to just be full of the Spirit. We want to be in the power of the Spirit. May the power of God come and move in your life right now in the name of Jesus. That when you speak, you speak words of God, you speak wisdom. When you think, you see visions and dreams. When you feel, you feel the love of the Father inside of you. That your soul, your mind, and your emotions are overtaken by the Spirit in the name of Jesus. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, you would see a picture of yourself flipping the switch on. Using the power that God has given you in your life. Switching it on. Switching it on. Using it for something magnificent and brilliant in your life. And when you switch on that light, the light comes on and reveals more things to you in your life that you didn't realize. That you did not see or understand. Because now the darkness is gone and the light is spread abroad in your life and in your family. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you will receive this in his powerful name. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.